psalm and verse number 16 amen psalm 116 verse 16 it's so good to see everybody in the house of the lord tonight i wonder if we could rejoice one more time over the lord expanding our land this is a great and a wonderful thing amen uh, we will be uh, as we continue in this process soon we will understand what the whole campus will look like uh, regarding the construction of a new sanctuary amen praise the Lord let's claim that in the name of Jesus let's claim it in the name of Jesus and as those details begin to firm and form uh, then we will be in communication of those things uh, because uh, when you drive up off of Cooper Road and you turn left or right whichever direction you're coming from uh, into the church property we thank the Lord that the whole campus will be ours that's a good feeling that's a good feeling and we, uh, by the help of God and by the faithfulness of His people, are going to build a sanctuary, build a building that will overlook Interstate 71 and Ronald Reagan Highway and will stand as a declaration to all who pass by that there is hope here. There is salvation here. There is light here. Amen. And so we just want to encourage you to continue staying faithful to the Lord and to one another. And let's do this thing in Jesus' name. And let's build it for the glory of the Lord. So you'll be receiving more and more information. And we will be, uh, we will be, launching, uh, we will be launching a new effort to focus our attention on the construction of the new building. Uh, and that will be coming very shortly. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good to us. God is just really good. He must love us or something. Glory to God. He just keeps getting better and better as the days go by. Psalm 116, verse 16. I just want to read one verse of Scripture. And I, I <laughs> this is not a, a promise in vain, but I just don't really intend to take a whole lot of time tonight. But by the help of the Lord, I do want to read a verse of Scripture that I think explains what I'm hoping to express from the heart of God. Psalm 116, verse 16. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Glory to God. And by the help of the Lord, I just want to take a few moments and, and speak to you on the subject, serving God is freedom. Serving God is freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for the spirit that you have poured out upon us. Lord, I thank you for every person in this building. Lord, each of us facing our own set of challenges, but we do so knowing that you are with us. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. And you keep us and you sustain us. I pray tonight, Lord, that your word would have free course in our hearts and our minds. 
And let the anointing of the Lord rest upon us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I know that upon maybe hearing the, the words, serving God is freedom, it may not seem this way to the sincere child of God who has found this to be true, uh, but maybe to somebody who may look at church or the Bible or Christians a little more cynically or skeptically, it might come across as sounding uh, like a little bit of a twist, psychological twist, like somebody's trying to convince somebody that serving God is freedom. That's not what we're doing when we say that serving God is freedom. It's very true that freedom is found in serving the Lord. Freedom is found in Doing the Lord's work, and I'll be more specific, doing the Lord's bidding. That is where you will find true freedom for your mind, true freedom for your soul, is in doing the work of the Lord. <clears throat> when you talk about servanthood, uh, you know, in today's society, the idea of someone being a servant uh, has, you know, it has somewhat of a connotation that maybe someone would want to aim higher. And they might think, well, you know, that might be a good entry-level position to be a servant. But I would hope to go beyond that as time goes on. But when you look at servanthood from the perspective of God, servanthood is the grand position that all of us should hope to achieve. When you talk about the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And the Bible says that he took upon himself the form of a servant. And, and when, you, when you speak of taking upon yourself the form of a servant, you have to ask, to whom was he servant? Ultimately, he was serving God, the will of God, doing the work of God. But the way that that manifested itself was that he would serve people. Serving people is the way that we serve the Lord. Jesus said as much when he revealed to us that we saw him thirsty but gave him no drink. We saw him hungry, gave him no food. We saw him imprisoned but would not visit him. That we saw him without clothing and refused to clothe him without shelter and would not bring shelter to him. And then, of course, the incredulous reaction to such a notion was, would you mind enlightening me as to when I ever saw you hungry or thirsty or without shelter or clothing? And the Lord then dropped the bomb, lowered the boom. When you have done it to the least of these, you have done it 
unto me. When you do anything to somebody, you have done it unto the Lord. When you speak to them with hatred, you have done it unto the Lord. When you speak to them with love, you have done it unto the Lord. When you treat them with harshness, you have done it unto the Lord. When you treat them with gentleness, you have done it unto the Lord. This is the way that the servants live their lives. They live their lives in service to the Lord. Servants of God, genuine servants of God, find that in everything they do, they can serve the Lord. And I think we sometimes misunderstand that. But we can take great joy in knowing that, that even in the little things, we are serving our God. Loving others is serving the Lord. Praying is serving the Lord. Giving of ourselves is serving the Lord. Giving and expecting nothing in return is serving the Lord. Why do we do such a thing? We do such a thing because we know that God is the rewarder. And that in his due season, he will give according to his will and according to his wisdom. The Bible, as a matter of fact, says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That doesn't just mean it's more noble to give than it is to receive. It means that there is more of a blessing in giving than there is in receiving. You say, how can that be? Because basically what I'm saying is, is that if you'll give $50 to the Lord, that's more of a blessing to you than if you received $50 from some generous passerby. You say, now that doesn't make any sense at all. If I get $50, well, I've got more than I had when I started. But if I give $50, then I've, I've, I have less than what I had when I started. But we're talking about God's economy. And in God's economy, when you give, you receive more of a blessing than if you received. Hallelujah. How does that work? Because when somebody gives you $50, you have received the $50. You received what they were able to give you. But if you give $50 unto the Lord, then the Lord's Blessing and the Lord's resources stand to reward you and to provide according to your need. And when you are receiving of the Lord's resources, you're receiving of an endless resource. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Hallelujah. All of the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. How many have ever just given unto the Lord and found out that when you give unto the Lord, he'll give you more to give? Can I get a witness from somebody who understands that I, I didn't even know where the blessing was going to come from. But when I gave unto the Lord, be it my finances or be it my, my talent or be it my time, when I invested it into the kingdom of God, somehow, some way, and from somewhere, the blessing came. 
This is what servants understand. Servants live by faith. They don't live by sight. Servants understand that every seed that they sow into the work of the Lord will absolutely come to fruition. This is why we never tire. And I use that term very specifically. We never tire of doing the work of the Lord. Do you know when we get burned out, when we get tired, we get burned out and we get tired when we forget that it is the work of the Lord. And we start thinking that, that we're somehow doing something besides his work. We start thinking that, that you know, we're just investing, 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 and that we're, we're not seeing the results and, and we're not sure of how effective this is being. But, but when you remember that it is the work of the Lord and that, that nothing you do for the Lord is in vain, then, then there's joy in that. I remember my grandfather telling me of when he was, when he was pastoring, his, his schedule was so, so busy and he, he was preaching, preaching, preaching. He preached a lot through the week. He preached a lot on Sunday. At that time, he was getting to the church early in the morning to preach on the radio before he would preach to the congregation and, uh, and then preach to the congregation. He'd teach Sunday school and then preach the morning worship and then preach at night. And it got to the point where he was just dreading Sunday. And that's a bad thing. You don't want to dread Sunday, especially if you're bringing the word. You don't want to come up, oh, here we go again. And deliver the word from, but I'm dreading doing it. And, and he said, Lord, I need some help with this. And he remembers the morning that he turned the corner to go to Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana. And there was 902 Fletcher Avenue. And as he was pulling up to the church, the Lord spoke to him and said, count it all joy when you do my work. Never dread doing my work. It is your good pleasure to do the work of the Lord. Can I encourage somebody today in telling you that when you are doing the work of the Lord, you are doing the most important thing that anybody could do on this planet? And do you want to know why? Everything that you can do on this planet serves this planet. But when you're doing the work of the Lord, you're doing something that lives beyond this planet. You know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his words shall not pass away. You know, the grass does wither and the flower does fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So what you do for Christ will last. And can I say it more directly than that? Only what you do for Christ will last. Glory to God. Don't build your hope on things that are temporal. Don't build your hope on things that will, that will pass with time. Don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Do the work of your God. Do the work of your God. Love his people. Serve his people. Bless his people. Hallelujah. If they are new to this world and they're small children, bless them, serve them, love them. God bless all of our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Let's give them a great big hand. Come on, somebody. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Sunday school teachers. 
I remember that word of God getting down in my soul as a child. And I'm standing in a pulpit today because there were people who sacrificed their Sundays so that a young child could receive the word of the Lord in his heart. And I thank God for that. And you don't know who you're sowing into, but you're sowing into the future of First Apostolic Church. And I know they're not just the church of tomorrow, and I know that they're the church of today, but I'm going to tell you, 20, 30, and 40 years from now, should the Lord tarry, those children are going to be the pillars of this assembly. Keep sowing the Word of God into their heart. Keep sowing the Word of God into their heart. God bless our youth workers and youth leadership. Let's give them a big hand. God bless them. All right. Go ahead. Do it again. Do it again. There you go. Come on. I know, I know that it takes time, and I know that there's sacrifice involved, but it's worth doing it because it's the work of the Lord. We're serving God's kingdom. We're serving God's people, and it is a joy to serve him. Amen. I can't go through every department, so please forgive me. But thank God for our usher staff. And thank God for our hospitality teams. And thank God for Connect Point. And thank God for our ministers. Hallelujah. Let's give them all a big hand. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank God for every person that gives tithe and offering. Let's thank God for every person who prays the prayer of faith. Let's thank God for every individual who stands in this building and lifts up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, lifting up the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, I'm talking about it's a joy to serve the Lord. It is a joy. It is a joy to serve the Lord. Glory to God. He taught us how to serve. In fact, the Bible describes that Jesus brought his disciples together. And he grabbed, uh, he, he set out the, I guess he set out the, the water basins for foot washing. And they probably did like some of y'all did. Oh no, it's foot washing day. Oh no. Not everybody likes foot washing service. But Jesus set out the foot washing basins and he washed their feet. They thought that surely they would wash his feet because he was the master. But he explained to them that the greatest among you is servant of all. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then don't look for your name to be recognized. Or to be lit up in lights. I'm going to tell you how the work, the fuel for the work of God has happened from names of people you don't know. The fuel that has run the engine of the work of God has been done by, by people behind the scenes for generations and generations. Oh, you'll see him in the kingdom. I said, you'll see him in the kingdom of God. You'll see him because they'll be exalted with him in majesty on high. But on earth they understood that this world was not their home. And they didn't seek material gain. And they didn't look for personal uh, uh, ingrandizement. But they looked for a simple sacrifice and service to the Lord's work. And Jesus said, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And so he began to wash their feet. And Peter said, no, I'll wash your feet. The Lord said, no, I must wash your feet. And when Peter began to understand what he meant, he said, just wash all of me. Jesus said, no, your feet will do fine. <laughs> just, just your feet, Peter. 
Glory to God. There's something about serving others, loving others, finding out what their need is and providing that. Hallelujah. Finding out what they're going through and helping them pray about it. Hallelujah. Putting your arm around them and encouraging them in the name of the Lord. This is the work of a servant. Making sure that the church is the kind of a place where people can come and find salvation. It is servants who keep these lights on. It is servants who keep this building clean. It is servants, hallelujah, who keep the grounds beautiful. It is servants, servants who reach out to people and bless them and reach for them and touch them. It's servants who preach and sing. It's servants who play instruments. It's servants who teach children and teach young people. It's servants who develop funds for missions efforts and for, and for all sorts of different outreach efforts. It's servanthood, servanthood, servanthood. Never tire of it. And when the devil tries to burn you out rebuke him in the name of Jesus and get alone with God in a secret place and when the devil tries to put more on you than you can bear you say the Lord is the bearer of my burdens I'm I'm not tired of doing the work of the Lord the joy of the Lord is my strength Lord I am thy servant truly I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid and thou hast loosed my bonds That's an interesting term because if you hear some people talk, they act like servanthood is bondage. But he said, I am your servant and you have loosed my bonds. This is why we are servants of the Lord. Because he has loosed our bonds. He set me free. He set me free. He took those shackles that were upon me. That kept me in bondage. Those shackles that once weighed me down. And that kept me from soaring as I could in the presence of the Lord. And he broke those off. When I repented of my sins and turned from my wicked ways. He came through on his promise that he would be there for me. And when I was baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. He came through on his promise that he would wash my sins away. Those sins that destroy and corrupt and corrupt road he came through on his promise that he would wash those sins away and when he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost he made good on his promise that I would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me you don't think I'm going to serve him I'm going to give him the rest of my life I'm going to give him every breath. I'm going to give him every moment. I want him to have my whole mind, my whole body, my whole soul, my whole spirit. I don't want to do anything that would grieve the Lord. When the Lord gives you a command that is for your own good, it's not bondage. It is God protecting you. It is God leading you in the ways of righteousness that lead to life everlasting. Do not, do not begrudge God, the opportunity to be your Lord? Is he your Lord and Savior? I know we want him to be our Savior, but do we really want him to be our Lord? We want him to save us. Oh, yeah, Lord, save me. Give me joy. Give me peace. Give me love. Give me everything I need and, and, and lift me up and strengthen me and encourage me. That's him being a Savior. But him being Lord means that he gets to direct our steps. Guide our thoughts. Tell us no. Tell us that's off limits. Correct us. Tell us we need to go a different direction. 
We want him to be Savior, but do we want him to be Lord? I say yes, because he broke the bonds of sin off of me. He broke the shackles, hallelujah, of shame off of me. I trust him. I trust him. When he tells me no, it's because he doesn't want me to end up in a place of more bondage. When he tells me go this way and not that way, he's leading me into liberty and out of bondage. Haven't we learned by now, if your flesh wants it, it's no good for you. Haven't we learned by now that if my flesh craves it, then it is going to be destructive to me. How many times do we have to learn that lesson? That my flesh craves it. And so we go ignorantly. You would think ignorantly, but we truly know better. Because we've lived long enough to know that there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is death and destruction. We've lived long enough to understand that there is this tendency I have to self-destruct. But oh, hallelujah, if I'll obey the word of the Lord, he'll lead my feet on the paths of righteousness. If I'll obey the word of the Lord, hallelujah, then he will send me down the path of truth and holiness righteousness and everything will be all right this is serving the lord serving the lord is different than than the world's servants jesus made that clear he said when we talk about gentiles and their efforts at being lord or master it's different than the lord jesus being your lord and master he said that's very, they're very different. They enjoy lording over people. That's the Gentile way or the worldly way. But when you're talking about the Lord, he enjoys being a heavenly father and giving good gifts, good gifts, love, joy, peace. He enjoys that. Not the way that the Gentile lords and masters do. In fact, the Bible describes the Queen of Sheba coming from the uttermost parts of the earth simply to hear the wisdom of Solomon. She came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when she got there, the Bible says that there was no more spirit left in her. It's another way of saying it took her breath away. And this is what she said. She said, I had heard of your wisdom." I had heard of how amazing this place was and about the way you come in and go out. Whatever she heard was enough to bring her from the uttermost parts of the earth with a caravan of spices to Solomon. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty appealing and enticing uh, report that she heard that brought her from the uttermost parts of the earth with a caravan loaded down with spices. And when she got there, whatever it was she heard was pretty amazing, obviously, to bring her in that way. And when she arrived, there was no more breath left in her. And she said, I came because of what I heard, but the half has not been told. Now, there is a half of the gospel that will appeal and entice people and compel them to come. There is a half of the gospel. When we preach about a God who came down into human flesh and, 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 and offered himself as a sacrifice, that is a compelling message. 
There is a compelling message that he'll heal your body. That's a compelling message. There's a compelling message that he'll break the chains. That's a compelling message. There's a compelling message that he'll deliver you from any bondage that has set itself upon you or that you have entangled yourself with. That's a compelling message. And it'll bring people from the uttermost parts of the earth. It'll bring people up and out of so many dire circumstances. It doesn't matter how far south, how far north, how far east east how far west if you lift up the Lord from the earth he will draw all men unto him but that's the one half of the gospel there's another half of the gospel that has not been told that half of the gospel is a half that can't be told the reason it hasn't been told is that it cannot be told it must and can only be experienced Oh, hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. I, I would pass the mic around and say, could you tell the other half of the girl? You say, I can't. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody said 10,000 tongues cannot tell. Hallelujah. I don't even know where to begin or where to start. All I know is you got to get it for yourself. Let the Holy Ghost get down inside of you and fill you up to overflowing. Hallelujah. Let it get down into your hands and into your feet. Let it get into the members of your body and give you strength and give you encouragement. Oh, glory to God. That's the, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. That's the the second half of the gospel. One half is told, and that's what compels people. The other half can't be told. Therefore, it isn't told. It's only experienced. And when she saw it, she said the half had not been told. No more breath left in her. And this is what she said, what she wasn't prepared for. She said, I wasn't prepared for how happy your servants are. Happy are thy servants. What she meant was, and this is the word that, that happy here means blessed. I didn't realize how blessed your servants are. You know what she was saying? She was saying, I've been around kings all my life. And nobody has built a temple this magnificent. I have seen temples that are far less in grandeur than this. And the people who built these temples for the king were impoverished because they were looked upon as mere servants and mere slaves to the whims of the king. And so they were impoverished and they were, they were whipped into building for the king. And she said, that's how it always works. The king sits high on a throne. That's how human kingdoms operate. The king sits high on a throne and his servants just do his bidding and, and, and there's no regard for their lives. That's how it works for every king except the king Solomon. And when she walked into the temple of Solomon, she said, it's different here. Your servants are blessed your servants are prospering your servants are receiving of the good of your land this is different than the way the kings of the earth operate and there was no more breath left in her can I tell you that's how God operates when you serve the Lord and you do his work and you do his bidding, can I tell you that he will prosper you and he will bless you and he will take good care of you. I said he will take good care of you. 
Consider the lily, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed as one of these little lilies. And, and, and if God then so clothed the grass of the field, which today is in the field, but tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more shall he clothe you? Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, what you shall put on or what you shall eat. For the Father knoweth that you have have need of these things but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you glory hallelujah all of these things shall be added unto you when you simply serve the Lord glory to God I talked about my great-grandpa Urshan this morning. He just had a totally different kind of life than what we live today. He would literally go on a train because the Lord told him to go somewhere to go preach the gospel. He would go get on the train and, and have, a, have enough money to get to one spot. And he'd be sitting on the train and saying, All right, Lord, I know you got somebody on this train that has the rest of my fare. Who is it? Show them to me. And then the Lord would show him who they were. He'd walk up to him and say, The Lord told me that you are the one who has the fare for the rest of my journey. And he nailed it. Thank God. He got the right one. Otherwise, they might have nailed him. I don't know, but... But he got it right. This is who the Lord said has the fare for the rest of my journey. And that's how he crisscrossed the globe, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And people would be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. And people would be healed of their sickness. Bishop G.T. Haywood pastored Christ's uh, temple in Indianapolis, Indiana. We call it the Mother Church of Pentecost. Amen. It was, a, it was a powerful church of 2,000 people, and it was integrated in the 1920s and 1930s. Before America was integrated, Christ Temple was integrated under Bishop G.T. Haywood. And I've told people a long time that the oneness revelation is what will unite the people of the earth. The revelation of the oneness of God is not just a theological understanding of the Godhead. It is to be an understanding of the Godhead that translates into the oneness of his body. And Bishop Haywood understood the oneness of the Godhead so much so that when the assembly of God had in it what they called the new issue, and they were trying to maintain their case that the Bible teaches that the Lord our God is one. And that there's one name for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And his name is Jesus Christ. The man they called in to articulate the message was Bishop G.T. Haywood. He wasn't even a member of the Assembly of God. But he was the one that came to articulate the oneness message because he understood it so well and when he pastored it was expressed in his in his teachings his church was one people integrated a congregation of 2,000 people fully and completely integrated in Indianapolis Indiana 
And years later, Indianapolis did not experience a lot of, of racial strife and tension and rioting. And my grandfather always said that it was the influence of Bishop G.T. Haywood and his understanding of the oneness of the Godhead that settled over that city and brought oneness and peace to the people during those years. Hallelujah. In fact, in fact if, if, if the oneness believers would not have let division rise up within them, God wanted to use them to bring oneness to our nation. Before Dr. King had a dream, Bishop Haywood had a revelation. And that revelation today is the revelation that unites the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And we're going to lift up that name of Jesus right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And do the work and the bidding of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bishop G.T. Haywood was pastor of Christ's temple in Indianapolis. And he got on the train and they... He left out to go to Winnipeg, Manitoba. Back then, they would, they would leave their church for an extended period of time to go start other churches. And my great-grandfather did it. Bishop Haywood did it. They would leave the church in the hands of the elders, and they would go into other cities, and they would, they would start churches. He was on his way to Winnipeg, Manitoba. And he got to St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Lord said to his servant, Bishop Haywood, get off the train. In St. Paul, he's on his way to Winnipeg. But the Lord said, get off the train. So Bishop Haywood got off the train. And the Lord said, preach the gospel in this city. And so Bishop Haywood began to look for people to preach the gospel to. He found a family in St. Paul, Minnesota by the name of Newstrand. Bishop and Sister Buller's dear friends. He found the New Strand family, and he started to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the New Strand family. They believed. They were baptized in Jesus' name. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost right there in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Bishop Haywood said, you all now are the foundation of a church that God is going to build in this city. And he called my great-grandfather, Andrew Urshan. He said, Brother Andrew, I'm on my way to Winnipeg. I need you to come organize this church in St. Paul of this small little group of people. And Andrew Urshan went and, and formed that church and organized that, that body. And to this day, at Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota, you'll see a little room where Nathaniel A. Urshan was born because... His dad was there as a pastor in 1920 helping what Bishop Haywood had started. That's what servants do. They follow the bidding and the direction of the Lord. And when the Lord says speak, they speak. And when the Lord says go, they go. And when the Lord says do this, they do it. And when the Lord says I'm well, please listen. When we get to heaven, the Lord's not going to say well done, thou good and faithful preacher. Well done, thou good and faithful uh, businessman. Well done, thou good and faithful anything except a servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be a servant to all. And do what the Lord has called you to do. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. And today, and, and Apostolic Bible Institute has produced missionary after missionary after missionary after missionary. And hundreds and thousands of people throughout the world, tens of thousands of people have been impacted directly by the ministry of Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. And it all started because a man 
was a servant of the Lord. And he did what the Lord told him to do. You know why you're here tonight? Because of servants of the Lord. Servants of the Lord who were obedient to minister to you. Servants of the Lord who were obedient to pray for you. Servants of the Lord who were obedient in making sure you got to church. Who made sure the doors were open. Who made sure that, that a service was scheduled and ready who made sure that there was teaching that could come across, to make sure that there was ministry of comfort, hallelujah, to make sure that there, were, there was worship, to make sure, hallelujah, that the service of God would unfold. When we talk about a service, we're, this is a service, we've been here since 6 o'clock, this is, this is just a little microcosm of what goes on through the week. This is just a refueling station. We come in here like a pit stop, and we get our tires tuned up and we get our fuel re-injected and we get all of our all of our uh, uh, fluid levels uh, built back up and then we go out into this world and we minister and serve and minister and serve and minister and serve and minister and serve hallelujah and we count it all joy we count it all joy the man said to Jesus come help me my servant is sick and Jesus said, I will come. I'll come right now. And the man said, you know what? I'm not worthy that you should stand under my roof. He said, I am a man under authority. I say to one, come, and he comes. To another, go, and he goes. And he said, just speak the word. Just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And the Lord stopped. This wasn't a Jew. This was a Roman. This was a centurion. And the Lord stopped him and he pointed him out and said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel as I see right here. One who understands servanthood. When you understand servanthood, you know that every work you do for the Lord will make a lasting impact in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to be your trusted servant help me to do your work and your will somebody lift up your hands to him right now and just say God help me help me to be that one that you can rely on that you can depend on hallelujah help me to be that one that you can send that you can that you can put your word in my mouth and I will speak your word hallelujah 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 Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Come on, let's praise him right now in this building. Let's praise him right now in this building. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's praise him right now. Somebody lift up your voice and praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Clap your hands, all you people. <laughs> Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. Blessings and honor and glory and power. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now and lift up praise unto the Lord. Come on, that's it all across this building. Let's lift up praise unto the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we call upon you. We need your anointing. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. From the top of our head to the sole of our feet, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the anointing of the Lord in our words. We need the anointing of the Lord in our in our mouths. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. We're getting ready to sing and entertain the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you about one of the wonderful servants of the Lord that I knew growing up. Brother Carrie Rivers. Wonderful man. Man of God. And he... Uh, he, uh, he was a man of prayer. He was a church treasurer. And he gave of himself all my life. I remember Brother Kerry Rivers just, just pouring himself out for the church, for the work of God. He would, he would, of course, take care of the finances. I remember him showing up at church with a, every service, carload of children. In fact, one of the families that I look at today and I see their children serving the Lord, I, I remember Brother Rivers making sure that those children would come to church. There was nobody seeing to it that they would come. Brother Rivers said, I'll, I'll pick them up and bring them to the house of God. So he would bring them and they'd pile out of the car and they'd go into the church. And It was a tough deal. It was sacrificial. It was something that he, he would do, but you don't really know Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday the monotony of life. You don't know how much good you are doing until years pass. And this that was a child, this individual stands up on their own two feet and says, I have decided to live for Jesus. Thank God for the servants of the Lord. Brother Rivers was the kind of guy, when he came to serve the Lord, when he began to serve the Lord, his wife said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with the church. And you're going to have to decide. It's either Jesus or me. He said, don't put me in that position. She said, I will leave you if you serve the Lord. He said, I must serve my God. She walked out on him and, his, and their children and left him there just to serve the Lord. I remember walking in one day on his, it was nothing to walk into the church and Brother Rivers be laid out on the ground talking in tongues and praising God and worshiping the Lord, caught up into the presence of the Lord. Because this was his life and this was how he lived his life. And when he, his wife called one night, he was having, he was literally dying of a heart attack. I remember going to the hospital to pray for him and watching them shock him trying to get a heart to beat. And I remember calling out to God saying, God, this is your servant. This is your servant. Touch his body, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lift him up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God knew exactly who that was on that bed that day. And breathe new life into Brother Rivers' body. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There's no joy like serving the Lord. There's no security on this planet like serving the Lord. Come on, I want somebody to lift up your voice and your hands unto the Lord. And say, God, I am coming to be your servant. 
Lord, I have decided to be your servant. I commit myself to be your servant. Come on, I want somebody to come forward right now in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, I will do what you want me to do and I will go where you want me to go and I will speak what you want me to speak. Hallelujah. All across this city are people in need of you and I to be anointed servants of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. We don't second guess God. We don't question God. Hallelujah. We say, Lord, I believe you and I trust you. And I lean on you and I depend on you. And I go forward in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. Let's fill this house with praises to the Lord our God. Let's fill this house with praises to the Lord our God. Let the servants of the Lord praise His name. Let the servants of the Lord praise His name. Withholding nothing, I surrender all to you. Surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Oh yes, Lord. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Nothing, my God, withholding nothing. I surrender all to you. Make it your prayer, make it your prayer. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Yeah, Withholding nothing. I give you all. And I give you all of me. I give you all of me. I give. 